Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello, Foo followers around the world. We are back from our mid-season break. My name is Ben Johnson. Welcome to the Kung Fu Movie Guide podcast, episode 16. We've got a Bruce Lee special for you today. Remember, go to kungfumovieguide.com to read the latest martial arts movie reviews and profiles on your favourite stars. We are also all over social media. We are on Twitter, we are on Facebook, we are on Instagram. And if you want to drop me an email, remember the email address is hello at kungfumovieguide.com guide.com okay thank you very much for downloading thank you for listening and supporting this the kung fu movie guide podcast here we go well if you're really so determined to have a fight then i'll oblige (laughs) well well hello to you wherever you are around the world listening to this it's the Kung Fu Movie Guide podcast, episode 16. Thank you very much for joining me. We are back from our mid-season break. I went away on my holidays. Everyone's got to have a holiday at some point. Um, and a lovely time was had, but we are now back to business. Episode 16 of the podcast. This is a Bruce Lee special um, where I got to hang out with the Bruce Lee historian Steve Kerridge. Um, Steve is not a fan of uh, the term Bruce Lee historian, um, probably because it sounds a little bit too boffinish. Uh, but um, he is the author of uh, some very meticulous and detailed books uh, on the life of Bruce Lee. I'd like to point you in the direction of his two volume work. Bruce Lee, Legends of the Dragon, which came out in 2008. Uh, This is a very detailed account about the making of The Way of the Dragon. He analyzes the lead up and the making of that film in in almost forensic detail. It's quite remarkable the the, the stuff that um, Steve Kerridge has managed to get hold of. Um, He is also a martial arts expert. He has over 40 years of uh, training and uh, teaching under his belts, his many black belts, I should say. Uh, He is the founder of the Essex Kickboxing Academy. Uh, He's got a karate background and it all stems from uh, when he was 10 years old and he first uh, heard about Bruce Lee. So his whole life has been dedicated to the martial arts uh, and to uh, Bruce Lee. Steve was very much part of that first generation of uh, martial arts enthusiasts that came out of the Kung Fu boom in the in the 1970s, particularly uh, here in the UK. And ever since then, he has become a huge uh, collector uh, of Bruce Lee uh, memorabilia, as well as uh, writing many books and articles. He has another book coming out. This is called Bruce Lee, The Authorised Visual History. Um, this has a forward by Shannon Lee. This is coming out on Carlton Books. And this is an authorised uh, collection on Bruce Lee that Steve has uh, put together, which is very exciting indeed. I'd also like to point you in the direction of Steve's other work that he does with David Tadman. Uh, these are the Bruce Lee Forever poster magazines. You can buy these through easternheroes.com. 
there's quite a few of these and they are great. Not only do these poster magazines include some very rare photos of Bruce, but also uh, some very interesting articles that have been put together with lots of primary research that Steve works with David Tadman on. So they are very cool indeed. So go and check them out. They're available mostly through uh, Ricky Baker, friend of the show uh, and former podcast guest. Um, I should say this interview took place at Steve's house. He very kindly invited me over to uh, to Essex to to visit his house, where I spent uh, an incredible day just geeking out over Bruce Lee. Um, it was great to hang out with Steve and just sort of checking out a lot of his archive because he's he's got the most remarkable. Uh, archived magazines from around the world and he showed me a lot of the uh, stuff that he's been working on recently as well which all looks very cool and very exciting and um, I don't know if I should say but some of the material he has on Bruce Lee is uh, just incredible he played me some rare audio of Bruce Lee which I didn't even know existed Uh, personally you know, I got into martial arts films and kung fu in general after watching uh, Bruce Lee as a kid as well. Um, and you know, I, I, I know quite a bit about Bruce, and I've read up on on obviously his life and his career and his philosophies. But uh, there's a lot of stuff there that uh, Steve had that is just incredible, and uh, it's really cool that you know he is working so hard to piece this stuff together uh, and making it as as factually accurate as possible. So, uh, thank you very much, Steve. For the hard work that you do. Uh, this is very much an episode which is in celebration of Bruce Lee, who, uh, let's face it, is probably still the most famous name in martial arts. People all over the world will recognise Bruce Lee and his his incredible and long-lasting impacts that he's had on not just martial arts, but uh, popular culture in general, which is remarkable when you think that... Um, you know, he died at such a young age. He was only 32 when he died, and he only made four complete films. Um, but with those films, he transformed martial arts movie making. Uh, he helped to put Hong Kong uh, action cinema on the map. And his more philosophical approach to the martial arts helped to redefine uh, what it actually meant to be a martial artist. Um, he's, he's credited as being the father of uh, mixed martial arts, MMA. I talked to Steve uh, a little bit about that. And we also just talk about his uh, lasting impact on society, uh, what it was like to be a Kung Fu fan in the UK in the 1970s. Uh, and along the way, he does point out quite a few books that he really likes and that he's into. Uh, and I'm going to put links to these publications on the website. Uh, So make sure you go there if you want to read up more about those uh, books that Steve talks about uh, and where you can buy them as well. So um, go to kungfumovieguide.com to find all of that stuff. Um, This uh, podcast episode does include snippets of audio from Bruce Lee, uh, some of his films including Enter the Dragon and and Fist of Fury. And also it features the odd snippet from uh, Bruce Lee's English language interview on the Pierre Burton Show. Um, This is the famous interview which was recorded December 9th, 1971. Uh, It's readily available on YouTube if you want to go and watch the whole thing. Uh, And I'm guessing if you're listening to the Kung Fu Movie Guide podcast Bruce Lee special, uh, then chances are you've probably seen that already. But anyway, uh, (laughs) if you want to go and listen to the man himself, Uh, talk about his career and his philosophy then go onto YouTube and you can watch that full interview there 
Um, much of the money that Steve makes from his books go back into the Bruce Lee Foundation, which I just wanted to flag up to you guys. Uh, it's worth checking out the Bruce Lee Foundation if you're not aware of it. It's a not-for-profit organization that funds a number of educational and social initiatives. Uh, they're based in Los Angeles, and it's totally endorsed by the Bruce Lee Estate, uh, which is run by Bruce Lee's widow, Linda Lee, and his daughter, Shannon Lee. Uh, you can find out more about the Bruce Lee Foundation by going to their website, BruceLeeFoundation.org, and you can find out uh, a lot more about the good work that they do. And this podcast does come out at a time when uh, Bruce Lee's name seems to be, uh, you know, just as prominent in in popular culture. There's been uh, a number of movies and TV shows which are in the pipeline, um, which will continue to satisfy the Bruce Lee fan in all of us. Uh, There's a new biopic coming out, uh, which is based on his early life in Hong Kong. This film is called Little Dragon. It begins filming soon. It is produced by Bruce's daughter Shannon Lee uh, as the first film from Bruce Lee Entertainment Uh, and also recently I heard that the Fast and Furious filmmaker Justin Lin uh, has teamed up with Shannon to create a new 10 episode show for Cinemax called Warrior it was a show that Bruce Lee originally uh, came up with and wrote lots of script notes but it was never bought uh, during his lifetime and uh, now all these years later it looks like it is finally going to be made. Many of the ideas from Bruce Lee's original concept for the Warrior TV show uh, did end up being adopted uh, into the David Carradine TV series Kung Fu, uh, which was a big global smash in the 1970s. But it now looks like Bruce Lee's original passion project is actually going to be made. So that's very exciting indeed. Uh, I also want to flag up the controversial Bruce Lee biopic Birth of the Dragon. I've mentioned it a few times on this podcast now. It does have an official US release date. Uh, It's going to be out on the 25th of August. Uh, The movie's been met with uh, condemnation from the Bruce Lee estate. Um, It outlines the circumstances surrounding a a real-life fight that Bruce Lee had with a Shaolin Kung Fu master called uh, Wong Jack Man. Uh, It came out last year at a film festival somewhere, Toronto, I think, Um, and the reviews have been mixed. But anyway, it's going to be out in August, so we can look forward to that and make up our own minds on that film. That's called Birth of the Dragon. Basically, all this proves that Bruce Lee is still very much an important and influential uh, figure and his story still resonates with 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 so many people around the world, uh, which is remarkable considering you know he died almost forty five years ago now. So uh, so it's an incredible thing, and uh, we very much uh, look forward to all of that new stuff that's coming out. So without further ado. I'm going to hand over to my chat with Steve Kerridge. This is very much an informal sit-down geek out over all things Bruce Lee. Uh, So if you're a Bruce Lee nerd or just a martial arts movie fan, then you should uh, enjoy this uh, episode. So there's there's a bit of bad language on this episode as well. I don't know if that sort of thing bothers you, but uh, you have been pre-warned. Okay, here we go. Here is my conversation with the incredibly knowledgeable... Uh, Bruce Lee expert, Steve Kerridge. Hello, 
first of all, what's that first introduction to Bruce Lee for you? Can you remember that? Yeah, yeah. Um, I actually wrote, when I, when I did my book on Way of the Dragon, part of that, you know, when I was writing like an introduction to it, I thought I'd better say a little bit about my background and yeah. why and what and whatever. And the, so I did explain it in that as well. And it was just, it was literally, I saw a magazine in the shop. Sure. You know, with Bruce Lee's face on the front, you know, with the scratches, Enter the Dragon. Uh, which was late 73. Yeah, okay. Uh, I'm guessing here it was probably, I don't know, August, September maybe. It was it was early, really. Yeah. Like, so he died, for, for, he, he was already dead at that point? Yeah, he'd probably been dead three or four months, you okay. know. Um, it was it was my mum that actually went and got me in the magazine. And um, I was hooked ever since then. I mean, around about that time as well, there was advertising the Kung Fu ter- series. Sure. Um, you, know, to be, you know, coming soon. Yeah, you know, yeah. It was all this war, you know. When I first started sort of being interested in Bruce Lee and, and, and start my training in karate, which sure. was which was October 70, 73, yeah. or just prior to that, so remember I got the karate suit for my birthday, right? And I was ten. So you were and I was so ten, 10 years old. I was ten old, years yeah, old. Cool, okay. And um, I, I just remember looking at this this book. I got a book there. I bought back there. It was a Wing Chun book, funny enough. I've, I've still got it up there. Yeah. And it mentions Bruce Lee in that. Okay. Like, as if he's still alive. Um, and that's from the early 70s, yeah, I, then, is it? Um, bear with me. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there it is. This book is called Wing Chun Kung Fu, wow. Chinese Self-Defense Methods. Okay. By R. Klaus Nitzer and Gregor Wong. Okay, Wong. Okay. Gregor Wong, yeah. No, so this no. is a book, this is from, this is made in, there you go, look, reprinted in 1973. Re- so this is when I bought it. So it, was, it was 1969 this, this book came out. Wow, Okay. Reprinted in '73 when I bought it. Yeah, and it's an English language book. It's yep. yeah, and you bought this in in London then. I According guess. to the you know, the the bit on the, on the on the inside, Wing Chun Kung Fu is a, which is the title of the book, is the first book ever published outside China, on a unique form of self defence. Blah blah blah, which I don't think is true, but sure. <laughs> it were books. Well, this might be, so, but you know, um, so this might be one of the earliest. English language oh, certainly. Let me, uh, let me mentions find, of Bruce Lee. Is well, that, let, is me, that let, me, let me find it for you. And it's bear with me two seconds. Here Wing we go. Chung today, here we go. Right, Wing Chun today, and I won't read it all, but it talks about Yip Man. Yeah. Uh, then it goes on to um, Bruce Lee, now reputedly. Yeah, now reputedly the, the highest, highest paid martial art instructor in the USA is also an accomplished exponent of Wing Chun, although he has developed his own his own system. Jeet Kune Do, the way of the stopping fist, he acknowledges his debt to Wing Chun. Bruce Lee started learning Wing Chun as a teenager, and it goes on from there. Wow. Okay. So this is this was wrote obviously before because it's wrote so, in '69. This book came out. You know. So that's fascinating. So that is, you know, documenting Bruce Lee already as being a big name within yeah, Wing Chun, I mean, within uh, martial arts. As you can see, these photographs are taken in the UK. Yeah. <laughs> And these were someone doing uh, uh, Wing Chun in their backyard, not garden even, while the Beatles were probably still rehearsing yeah. in Abbey Road Studios. Isn't that incredible? So, you know, it's, it, it shows you people were doing Wing Chun in this country back then. So you were reading stuff like this as you were growing up then, Wing Chun yeah. was, was around, it was an influence for well, you? Well, the, the reason I'm saying all this is because I started karate in, say, October 73, Um I suppose if I had a choice, I would have gone to a Kung Fu club, certainly Wing Chun, because yeah. of Bruce Lee. Because yeah. I thought, oh, look at Bruce Lee. Sure. But there wasn't none. Yeah. There wasn't, oh, I didn't know of any. You yeah. know, there was certainly none where, where, anywhere where I came from. Yeah. I remember looking at some of these magazines when they first came out, some of these, uh, you know, the, the, when all these 
Kung Fu magazines first come out and you see these people jumping over houses and yeah. what well, it looked like it anyway, <laughs> yeah. jumping 15 feet in the air. And as a young sort of 10 year old kid, yeah, you who believe doesn't it. like that? Yeah, you, of believe, course. you think, oh, I want to be able to do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's like suddenly you, you, you know you can become Superman. Sure. You know, so it was really it was like they were like superheroes. Yeah, yeah. Bruce Lee to me is like a he was like a superhero. Was like, yeah. You know, you see this man. You know, we was too young to watch. We couldn't even watch Bruce Lee. That, that yeah, was the silly the, thing about it. We couldn't see it. Yeah. Like, we're in the US. They can go to the cinema and watch it. We couldn't. Yeah. So do you remember them when they started screening the Bruce Lee films? And do you um, remember when that started? Well, I remember the adverts on the TV. You know, you'd see this um, advert for, for Enter the Dragon, you know, yeah. which would be like a three-second clip or something, right, you know. Yeah. And you're like, whoa! We were restricted to, to films that were our age bracket, which yeah. were like Walt Disney or whatever. Sure. Um Bruce Lee, they're all, they're all X-rated uh, movies. Yeah, you had to be eighteen, so we did we had no chance. You know um, what we did do sort of sort of say a couple of years later when we were sort of 12, 11, 12, that sort of age, we'd go to the to the exit of the cinema with a coat hanger and whip the back door open and we'd sneak in. You know, and of, often get caught. Sure. <laughs> and um, <laughs> is that your first yeah. memory of seeing Bruce Lee then on the big screen? Was did you did you uh, did you see Bruce Lee then on the big screen yeah. growing up? Um, well, apart from those silly little attempts try, to try and get in, yeah. wherever you went, you know, we, I mean, I'll tell you stories now and it's ridiculous really, but a good friend of mine, Jeff, I mean, we grew up together, Jeff Watts, and we, we, um, we're still friends to this day. And we were like inseparable really, you know, we was Bruce Lee, Bruce Lee, training Bruce Lee, we'd be at the garden kicking the branch on the tree, you know, the bushes and the trees yeah. and just, just ridiculous really, you know, day and night, day and night. We would um, go to Chinatown, you know, back in sort of 70, early seventies onwards, really, sure. and we go to these Chinese cinemas up there. Yeah. So we'd be the only sort of Western yeah. people in there, or kids in there, you know, all these, full of these Chinese people. Sort of look, what are they doing in there? You know, yeah. we're watching all these, and then obviously several years later, Jackie Chan emerged, and we see the first Jackie Chan films in Chinatown. In Chinatown you know, no one wow. knew who he was. You know, so the first time I I actually got to see a Bruce Lee film. Um, was around about 1975, okay. um, and I actually see the whole film. It yeah. was it was a double bill with with uh, King Boxer. Nice. Um, That's a good double bill. Yeah. What was oh, the Bruce Lee film? Enter the Dragon. Yeah. My dad took me to the classic cinema in Leytonstone or Leighton. I don't suppose it's there anymore. Um, and he persuaded the managers to let me in. You know and. For about they could five do minutes, that? they'd let you do that. I did actually. Yeah, yeah. He, he, no, no, he's too young, and, and in the end, look, I'll take responsibility, and I suppose he turned the blind eye, um, and that was it. And they let us in, and I was like, it was unbelievable. Like, you know, yeah. like, I remember walking to the cinema. The movie had already started. The King Boxer was on first. It okay. already started. It was sort of that's a great movie it. as well. Oh, it was great. It's great, great, great film, but it was halfway through it. But I just wanted to get get it finished. So I wanted to see End of the Dragon. Sure. I don't think I blinked for an hour and a half. You know, yeah. it was like it was really like that. You know, my eyes are dried out. So before you'd even seen Enter the Dragon, there's a two-year gap there between first being introduced to Bruce Lee and his image mm. uh, to you actually seeing a full-length movie of his. Yeah. Within that time, had you had already were you becoming quite an obsessed fan? Were you already collecting stuff, finding out oh, more about the guy? Ob- was obsessed. He- Definitely, I, I, I was training my karate. I was buying every single magazine that came out. Mm-hmm. 
and that would have been Kung Fu Monthly was the big Kung one Kung Fu Monthly yeah. was one of the first ones Felix Dennis um, <clears throat> and if anyone's listening that knows Felix Dennis's history please forgive me if I'm if I cock anything up <laughs> yeah. here but basically he was walking through Soho one day and you see this queue of people around this, going around the block you know I forget what the cinema was now it was a Rioto or something I'm not sure and it was Fist of Fury mm. and it Fist of Fury was actually released on the same day Bruce Lee died over here. Like, like generally, like, you know, yeah. like, well, not I mean, it, it came out again and again. Sure. Felix Dennis has said to someone in the in the, in the queue, you know, well, what's we what are you watching? What's what, what's the big queue for? And they said, oh, you have got to see this little Chinese uh, man. He, he's you know he's kicking ten bells of shit out of everyone. <laughs> sorry, you know, and you know you can see that oh this is going to be something that's going to catch on. Yeah. So I thought oh, I'll do a Bruce Lee, a Kung Fu magazine yeah. calling it Kung Fu Monthly so it didn't infringe any didn't get anyone the name Bruce Lee sure. and even if you look at the logo you know the, the silhouette it's yeah, Bruce yeah, Lee's yeah. arms the wrong way around they changed it to the photograph really? the silhouette yeah. in the photograph his arms up in the air and yeah. the, the silhouette is down sure. so it was a little little, little tweet sure. he knew what he was doing you know yeah. and you know and by all accounts he earned a fortune Yeah. Like if I was doing what I'm doing now back then You'd be interviewing me probably in the big mansion yeah. somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway. So Kung Fu Monthly was coming out. You were reading up on Bruce Lee. You were yeah, learning yeah. more and more about him. In the early training. books. I mean, going back to Felix Dennis, the book they brought out, was, which was Bruce Lee, The King of Kung Fu. Yeah. Still one of the best books, really, because the reason I say that is it, it was pretty fresh. The people they interviewed, I mean, Felix Dennis and Don Attio, Don Attio, I think it was, they went to Hong Kong, or one of them did, and they interviewed these people. They got they got the source material quite early on. Yeah, yeah. So because of that, people's minds were fresh, memories were fresh. Mm-hmm. So when you read that book, it's pretty good. It's still pretty good to this day. Yeah, you know. And that was a book that I I would read front to back, front to back. I just, you know, if there was a mastermind back then on Bruce Lee, the TV show, I probably yeah. would have won it. You know, I was just. Then you had Alex Ben Block. He brought his book out. So these were the early books and magazines that came out and. Of course, then so we used to travel to Chinatown and you see the Chinese magazines. Yeah. Um, obviously, all in Chinese you can read them, but the photographs always seemed a lot rarer in the Chinese magazines because they had it's on their doorstep. I suppose they had the, they had the resources there. And he was such a huge megastar in Hong Kong, and well, he, he, cha- he, he changed the the style of filmmaking out there. He changed fashion out there. I mean, mo- other places as well, but in Hong Kong specifically, you know. You look at the old kung fu films, apart from the traditional type films, you know, where they're in costume drama type films. Yeah, yeah. He changed. He just changed it. He yeah. changed the whole scene, you know. And, and you've only got to look at the man, you know. Like, I mean, you know, he was a good-looking fella anyway. He had, he had the charm. And look, look when he walked on the, onto the set of um, or the scene in Marlowe when he walks into James Garner's office, and suddenly, whoa, you yeah. know, he just. He just lit the screen up, yeah. you know. He had a genuine screen presence, didn't he? Oh, yeah, you acting, can't... Yeah. You know, you got... What's the TV show now, though? X Factor. Yeah. He had the X Factor. Yeah. A fortress without walls, protected by an invincible army that needs no ordinary weapons. This is Enter the Dragon, the first martial arts film produced by a major Hollywood studio. John Saxon is Roper. He was in it for the money. U.S. Karate Champion Jim Kelly as Williams. He was there because he had no choice. Black Belt Hall of Fame undisputed martial arts champion and international film star Bruce Lee. His job, 
was to get them out alive. So, okay, you're watching Enter the Dragon for the first time. Yeah. Can you still, can you describe that feeling now? Can you remember being well, sat in that seat watching that movie? It, the, I suppose looking at it now, it, you know, before I'd actually physically seen the, the movie, I knew it scene for scene yeah. anyway because I bought magazines. pictures. And yeah, I bought magazines and say some of these Chinese magazines will give you sort of literally frame by frame, you know, and whatever. So you knew what scene was what, you know, you knew what was next, you knew it was. So you knew it was as if you'd worked on the movie, you knew it was just watching the finished print. Sure. You know, yeah. <laughs> in a silly sort of way, really. Plus, we used to, I can't remember the year, but I remember we used to, um, actually, it probably was around about this time. We got some Japanese import LPs, vinyl. Okay. And they were from the TAM record company. Okay. And they, I've still got them. Yeah. And they were soundtrack albums. And so you're sitting in your in your bedroom or whatever with your record player, you know, putting your record on. Yeah. Listening to someone who's not even Bruce Lee, who's the dubbing voice of Bruce Lee. Right. Going, you know, outside or whatever, whatever he says yeah, in the film. Yeah. And you think, and I was mesmerised by that. It wasn't even Bruce Lee's voice, you know. And then you'd have the walk. That's an audio of the film. Yeah, that's what it'd be. Yeah, yeah. You'd have a bit of music. It was a very edited down version. Um, I've still got them all, you know. And when you think back. And then then there was a bit of a breakthrough, sort of mid-70s. And you'd have... Because um, back then, we had projectors. Yeah. My uncle Dave, Dave Reese, he got Way of the Dragon. On a Super 8 Super style 8. Uh, projection. A very edited wow. down version, but wow. it had the double nunchucker scene in it. No way. Which yeah. no one has. Yeah. You, you can watch it over here, because that's something else you can talk about. The, the, the censorship over yeah, here. Was, yeah, that was a big, you know, that was a big thing. Um, so we got to watch that, and it was like, yeah. whoa, even though the quality was crap, really. Yeah. You know, it was Bruce Lee. Yeah. You know, we had the flick books. They bought some flick books out, so you watch a bit of action there. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, it, it was different then. You know, now, now that. You know, people now are so spoiled what they can watch and yeah. see now. You know, you just type into you, you know, into, into YouTube and yeah, and there it's it there. is the double nunchucks and yeah, yeah it's it's all there. You know, and it's just um, well, it's good in a way. Though, oh no, it's, yeah, it's good. But do you know what though? It's good and it's bad because it's good the fact that it's on hand and you can for for reference or if you want to look up something or you're just fancy watching something. Yeah. But I think it takes some of the excitement away because if you knew, for example, say like you never had the technology you got now and a new Bruce Lee film was coming out, you couldn't watch it unless you went to the cinema. So it'd be like, well, we're going next Saturday. Yeah. And it'd be that, that excitement and build up to it. Yeah. You know, back then you, you, could, you had nothing. Yeah. You had nothing at all, you know. You, and no it made it more tapes. of an, an, an event when you did finally get around to seeing this. Yeah, this yeah. I mean, you had Marlowe came on the telly. I remember that. I can't remember what year that was, but that was obviously after Bruce Lee had died in this country. They put Marlowe on. And because I knew Bruce Lee was in Marlowe, it was on a, like a Saturday or Sunday night, I can't remember now. So all day long, you're like, you know, you, you can't wait. You can't, what's the time? What's the time? Well, it's not until eight. What's the, and as soon as it comes on, you, you know, you, I remember being there with a tape recorder with a <laughs> microphone near the speaker of the TV recording Bruce Lee coming in you know sure. them two scenes yeah and he's like oh, best you know. scenes in the film yeah and all of a sudden boom it's over with and yeah. you go oh shit yeah. watching the movies at the cinema if, if you say he was watching Enter the Dragon for example you know you watch you get the fight scene and you think oh I'd like to see that again yeah you, you have to sit in the cinema till the next showing came through <laughs> and watch it again you couldn't rewind would you, it would you do would you oh, do yeah, that we used to do that yeah we, you know, we found 
as the seventies went on, we found several cinemas that we had to travel to that didn't give a toss whether you was six or sixteen or eighteen. You know, just let you in. You know what I mean? Yeah. Sort of flea pit places really sure. over like Stoke Newington and places like you know yeah, yeah. like flea pits they were. We used to get about four buses to get there, hmm. so it takes about an hour and a half to get there, you know. Yeah. And then we get there and we watch some film, Bruce Lee film, whatever, you know, and we watch it, you know. And yeah. um, then of course, then there was the advent of uh, late night cinema started up then. Sure. You know where midnight showings of all these Jackie Chan films. Yeah. As I said earlier, I, I, I've never really been into Jackie Chan. You know, I'm not. I'm not a fan of Jackie Chan. He's great. Don't get me wrong. He's, he's fantastic. He's, my wife loves him. You know. Yeah. Um. But to me, it's Bruce Lee. Don't think. Feel. It is like a finger pointing away to the moon. Don't concentrate on the finger, or you will miss all that heavenly glory. How much was an, of an influence was Bruce Lee during your training then, as as a martial artist, what you were reading um, about him and that sort of thing? From day one to today. Yeah. He's, st- he's still that. Today, as much, if not more so now than then, because the initial uh, introduction is the image. Yeah. Then from there, it's gone on to, uh, you start understanding what he was doing yeah. you know back in the 70s we all bought the Taljik and Dharma we was all reading it going oh this is how this is how you become Bruce Lee sure. wrong no wrong because that's a complete opposite yeah you know and that's where a lot of these he says that in the book though doesn't yeah, he yeah yeah I mean you've only got to go on the internet and see there's like there's 101 different Jeet Kune Do instructors you know I'm not saying anyone you know I'm saying earlier not saying yeah. some are good some are bad or whatever you know some probably kick my arse you know, I'm, not, I'm not saying that what I'm, the point I'm trying to make is you can't be Bruce Lee. Bruce Lee's Bruce Lee. Yeah. You know, you've got to listen to what he was saying, like the finger pointing at the moon. You don't concentrate on the finger, you know. And that that's what it means. You, yeah. You've got to look at what he was what he was what he was explaining, what he was trying to get to. Yeah. And you can't you can't be Bruce Lee. So to me, the influence for me is as as years have gone on, you know, back in the seventies you want to tell Jeep and down you're reading, you think, Oh, is this the answer? No, no, it's not the answer. It's just, it's you know, it's no answer really. The answer is within yourself. Isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, you've got to be open, open-minded, open-ended. You can't. The minute you turn around and go, yeah, that's it. I've learned everything. Now you, you, you stop growing. Yeah. So you know. He was advocating uh, a sort of mixed martial arts approach even back then, wasn't he? As yeah, well, this, this, is, this, is, this is sort of, sort of an argument that I've got into with a few people. Yeah, what, what's your um, thoughts on this? <laughs> well, let's put it this well. There's certain people that go. Bruce Lee wasn't the father of mix, of MMA. Right, now, okay, let me ask you this question. What is MMA? What's it stand for? Yeah, mi- mixed, yeah mixed martial, martial arts. arts yeah, yeah. Right, so, mixed martial arts. That is open-ended. Sure. What a lot of the people mean when they say he wasn't the father, they're saying because he wasn't a sport. Fair enough, I'll take that out. He wasn't a sport. But martial arts isn't a sport. What you see on the UFC is a sport. It's got to be a sport. Others will be killing each other. We'll be going back to the Roman, you know, the Colosseum in Rome. You know, yeah. they're killing each other. Yeah. Bruce Lee had his base, a base of originally of the Wing Chun, and he developed it and opened it up from from there, and took things away and put things in what suited him. It's no different to me saying to you, right? Okay, I'm going to give you 26 letters here. That's the alphabet. The, you know, the English alphabet mm-hmm. then I'll say to your to your friend right here's your 26 letters and I'll say to both you're right go away and write me a sentence and you go what do you mean I go well 
you've got 26 letters go and write a short sentence and now you go and write a short sentence what's the chances of you both coming back with the same sentence (laughs) no chance at all right but it's the same letters yeah or the same combination you know it's the same ingredients but whatever you take out of that ingredients to, to express yourself, yeah. is what Bruce Lee said, yeah. express yourself. Express yourself. And that's what it's all about. And that's why mixed martial arts is that. That's what it says. It's open-ended. But what do you say to the argument that a lot of people question whether Bruce Lee was one of the best fighters? Because you're right, he never competed. You've got to look at Bruce Lee. When you say Bruce Lee, the best fighter, no one's the best fighter. No one's the best fighter. That's, that's bullshit. It's you've just got to look at facts you've got to look at I mean Bruce Lee it was an exception anyway because he was he was way 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 ahead of his time yeah you know the, the methods he was using to train his his old mindset was way ahead of his time you look at martial art or martial arts at, the, at that period they were they were they were staying within their own little box you know they, were, they wouldn't come out of that box you know what I'm saying and yeah. their particular whether it was Gojiru or whether it was blah blah whatever it was or Hungar Kung Fu whatever it was they were in that box Bruce Lee fought outside the box you know what I'm saying yeah. so you can't look at Bruce Lee's been the best fighter you've got to look at him as the best mind Bruce Lee himself even through his choreography and the fight scenes he was doing take that that fight scene with Chuck Norris you know that's a good example where you know he was taking he starts that fight in one rigid system and then suddenly halfway through he notices that isn't working and yeah. then he brings in the Ali shuffle and he starts getting a bit more fluid in his movements and then starts winning the fight so so essentially mm. it's it's what you're saying isn't it it's 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 yeah. having that being outside the box but knowledgeable enough to be able to adapt your well style. see as the years went on with Bruce Lee you said initially it was the image then you you start to learn more about the man and everything yeah. else then you can see where he was coming from and I start to then I started to understand where he was coming from Bruce Lee was using uh, movies as a vehicle to give the true impression of martial arts you know yeah it's educational yeah you see actually I do not teach you know karate because I do not believe in styles anymore I mean I do not believe that there is such thing as like Chinese way of fighting or the the Japanese way of fighting or whatever way of fighting because unless human beings have three arms and four legs we will have a different form of fighting Mm. but basically we have only two hands and two feet so styles tends to uh, 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 not only separate men, you know, because they have their own doctrines, and then the doctrine became the gospel truth, you know, that you cannot change, you know. And but if you do not have styles, if you just say, well, here, here I am, you know, as uh, as a human being, how can I express myself totally and completely? Now that way, you won't create a style because style is a crystallization, you know. I mean that way. It's a process of continuing growth. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. 
Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Do you have a favorite Bruce Lee moment? Uh, so I suppose out of all his films, you know, I've got my favorite bits, but I do hold Way of the Dragon sort of close to me heart, I think because of the book I did. I've done so much sort of uh, deep digging on that movie in that research. time oh you, you, honestly I, yeah I, it, it actually felt I was I'd been there yeah without sounding <laughs> stupid you know it was like you know I never actually even went to Rome sure you know but I went to Hong Kong and I went to the States and I, I, I visited and, 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 and interviewed people you know from people that were on the production yeah. of the movie to family members to to uh, friends it's not called Bruce Lee Way of the Dragon it's called Legends of the Dragon Legends of the Dragon yeah yeah there's um, two volumes of this actually I've got to give the credit to Dave Tavern for that for yeah. that title that was his, his uh, <laughs> brainchild you know but, and we should say that this is a, a, a book a thoroughly researched book about the filming of uh, The Way of the Dragon and it contains lots of sort of rare never right. before seen photography okay. as well well I'll explain why I did that book yeah. now I wanted to put something down. This is so I'm going back now, probably, probably ten years ago when I first, probably longer than that now actually, when I first had the idea for this book, and I thought, well, it'd be nice to do about one of the movies. That's what I thought at first, you know. Yeah. And I thought, well, what movie should I do? And I thought, well, do you know what? Why have the dragon? As Linda Lee said, was more like the real Bruce Lee than any of his movies because he had. It was the first time in his career. That he had total control over his own destiny as sure. far as making the movie. Yeah, yeah. You know, he directed, produced it. You know, it was, it was through his. It was the first movie with his own production company, with Raymond Joe Concord yeah. Productions. Yeah. So that was a, gar- a Golden Harvest. So he sort of created that as a sort of subsidiary of Golden Harvest. Well, then, Golden it? Harvest tended to have few stars like Wang Yu or Wong Yu. Sure. I can't remember off the top of my head the name of his company. He, he had his own company. Yeah. That was working under the banner of Golden Harvest. Mm-hmm. Low Way had his own company under mm-hmm. Golden. So what they tend to do, they tend to get these production companies to finance their own movie. King Who, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. The, the uh, what was the movie that the the Fate of Lee Khan, yeah. the Valiant Ones. Those two movies were under Golden Harvest, yeah. really, you yeah. know. But it was a King Who production, yeah, production company, sure. So they tend Sam to be Lowe's like in, had his own thing, yeah. And well. since then, it's gone and gone. So when you look at the history of Golden Harvest. We're short. They're different from Shaw Brothers. Shaw Brothers were a Shaw Brothers movie. That was Shaw, it. He didn't yeah, have yeah. Shaw Brothers production with David Chang Productions. Yeah. I don't think so. Maybe I'm. If anyone, else, please correct me. I don't think so. It's the Shaw Brothers. Yeah. In fact, their their actors all lived in the studio on in the in the in the. That's <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. I think it was John Saxon and the interview that David Tabman did with him. We and we'd done one, one of the poster mag- one of the Bruce Lee Forever poster magazines. And he said that John Saxon asked Run Run Shaw when, he, when they visited, why, why do all the actors stay on set, you know, stay on the lot? And he sort of, apparently Run Run Shaw looked at him sort of in a bit of shock and went, what are you talking about? You know, you know, I might need him, if I need him at two in the morning, I can go and get him. Yeah. It was like a dictatorship, really. Yeah, you know, it's mad, isn't it? Blimey, you know, but yeah. they were on like a fixed wage. Yeah. You know, and they were just on hand, you know, well, well John, come over here, I need yeah. you. Yeah. 
That's no way. That that's no, explains no. why Bruce Lee didn't go with them, I guess, as well. He must well, have. he wouldn't have done that. No, was, yeah. the money was not, wasn't offered nothing, and it, no, he certainly wouldn't have been a. It's not Sorry, Bruce Lee was Bruce Lee. Yeah, exactly. yeah, yeah. So, why did he go from being a contract actor with Golden Harvest, yeah. you know, for Big Boss Fist of Fury, yeah. to becoming his own boss or in partnership with with Raymond Chow and produce Where the Dragon? So it's a storyline. The, the, sorry, the timeline between you know the beginning of that and towards the end of that, and that's why I, I wrote that book on that particular period in his life to show now Bruce Lee's turned the corner. Yeah, you know he, he's got freedom to express himself again, as he yeah. as he as he said himself. So it, that's why I found that an interesting period. Yeah, you know um, the book I'm doing without giving too much away, which I'm hoping I'm hoping I can get ready for this year but I'm not going to rush it because it's, it's quite intricate in, in places Sure, maybe next year we'll cover a period I'm going to give a bit away yeah, from 69 to 72 um, for the pure reason that now you've got the question well how did he come from being you know um, a bit actor in Hong Kong uh, sorry in, in, in the US that no one was really interested in yeah. and wanted to, to invest in yeah, yeah. to becoming a superstar mm. You know, so what happened? You know, very quick. It's, you know, in the space of a it few years. It is pretty years quick, as well, but when you look at it, I mean, he had he had friends in right in, in high places. Yeah, yeah, true. You know, that still couldn't help him. Yeah. You know, because their investors wouldn't invest in a Chinese actor. What we yeah. spoke about earlier. Yeah. So he'd have, for example, the Silent Flute, which is 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 something that is sort of I'm really interested in. You know. And yes, that's fascinating as well. Yeah, anyway, I've, I've wrote quite a bit on that. You know, and so um, Silent Flute was the movie he wanted to make. They, I think he went over to India to do some yeah. uh, location. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, but it never again. That well, never, that never. It was. It was. It was gestating for several years prior to that because he was trying to get some other ground. He wanted, I think, he wanted to do a movie with like Steve McQueen. That's and, right. Yeah, yeah. And whatever, Steve McQueen sort of snubbed him, really. Yeah. You know, but James Coburn was always a good friend of his. Steve McQueen was a good friend of his, but what I'm saying is James Coburn was was more. Well, he went with him, didn't he? To yeah, India to do yeah. yeah but yeah. the catalyst really was Sterling Sullivan. Sterling Sullivan, yeah. really, really supported Bruce. Yeah. And was a really he was a good friend. Of, he'd yeah. Done a lot for Bruce. Lee. Yeah. Gave really, him that really. great uh, well, thing he, in Long he, Street he, as well, didn't he? All that yeah. so with introduced Cheek and Doe, really. Yeah, that's right, yeah. that's right. You know, it, it, where, where he couldn't fit him into a script, he'd get him as a fight choreographer, like the yeah. uh, uh, Walk in the Spring Rain, you know, sure, Andy yeah, yeah. film. Uh, so we're looking at a very good friend that was trying to keep Bruce employed. Mm. Mm. Um, I saw a clip on YouTube. Uh, again, you can see all this mm. stuff on YouTube. Yeah, yeah. Even I should say, even myself growing up, uh, trying to get hold of um, you know VHS copies just to see the nunchuck scenes. Yeah, was, uh, yeah. that was hard work as well. <laughs> yeah. um, but yeah, now you just type into YouTube. Um, uh, Here comes the brides. Yeah, yeah, yeah that yeah, was a yeah, role yeah, that he had yeah, in a TV yeah. show. Pretty straight, dramatic uh, mm. role. It seems just from the work he was doing in Hollywood that he clearly wanted to uh, extend his dramatic range and get more into uh, maybe portraying a different side of a Chinese character in America. Do you think that's that's what he was he was trying to do, or do you think he was just a jobbing actor and he? he, he you you got to look at things. Well, you got to look at it on two sides, really. We know what Bruce Lee wanted. Yeah, he wanted to be the first Oriental superstar, sure. which he eventually became. He couldn't get the the breaks he wanted, even with people like Sterling Sullivan. It was it was a limit, yeah. Because Sterling Sullivan was a 
uh, an Academy Award winning scriptwriter or screenplay or whatever it was um, but he wasn't the man with the money he wasn't the head of the studios yeah. or, or the investors behind the studios yeah. you know um, so you know he couldn't get what he wanted so but you've got to look at it realistically you know he, he was under certain people like, like Arthur Kennard and people like that was, you know like as a, a what they call them um, management like an agent agent yeah, yeah sorry um, these people would obviously say Bruce I've got a job for you you know yeah, yeah. Um, some he'd probably reject some he wouldn't reject you know he'd never ever as, as you read and I've been told would have accepted a role of you know the the pigtailed yeah. sort of China, Chinaman. Do you think you he know. was getting offered those types of roles as well? Then yeah, of course he must have. I mean, I'd be surprised if he wasn't. Yeah, you've only got to look at films of the era. You know, whether it was yeah. whether it was a late John Wayne type movie or like a cowboy type movie or yeah. whatever, where you had the the, you know, the the Chinese laundry. Yeah. You know, it must have. You know, it must have been. I mean, but you also got to look at there, there was a, several. I mean, he was he was looking at getting a role in the Sand Pebbles, wasn't it? At one point. Right, which is going okay. back a bit, which is going back a bit before with the time we're talking so about. So that's sort of Green Hornet sort of time, then, is it? Yeah, I think, I think Sandpaper was like sixty-five, sixty-six, yeah, wasn't yeah. it? I'm sure it was. Yeah, I mean, I might be wrong, but there is a letter I can't remember who he wrote it to now off the top of my head, but where he mentions the Sandpebbles. There's also some correspondence where he mentions about Hawaii Five-O as well. Wow, interesting. You know, so that's the late sixties, yeah, yeah, sixty-eight, sixty-nine. I think that came on. So, do you think he he must have been pretty? pissed off with America to to then go back to to Hong Kong to make the films there I mean do you think I mean it paid off in the end but it was a pretty it was maybe a bit of a gamble look at look at it realistically again you know he, he's in Hollywood he's in Marlow yep that I think shook Big the movie. studio a little bit yeah. because they thought hang on he's, he's, he's getting probably more fan mail than the main star so it was no, yeah. His scenes were popular well, when it came out. That was yeah, yeah. yeah I don't know what the box office office takings were for Marlowe, but they sent him on a Marlowe tour. You know, so he'd done like a ten day tour of the US to prom- promote promote the movie. The movie. Um, I don't know what James Garner did, whether he did on that as not with Bruce he didn't, but I don't know whether he did his own one or whether he stuck his finger up and said, "No, I'm too busy." Yeah. Because he was already a star. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know, but I know Bruce Lee did. Um, where's so, the interview? Where's the Where's the recorded? Listen, it, you'd be surprised at the amount of TV appearances and radio appearances Bruce Lee did. Yeah. Throughout the US. Yeah. During the where, 60s, even the early 60s, sure. in that various types, and yeah. you'd be surprised. But where Where is this stuff? It's always it's, listen. It seems to me whenever there's a Bruce Lee bit of footage, it, it miraculously disappears. You know. Yeah. And whether it's from Hong Kong or whether it's from the US I mean the Pierre Burton interview I mean yeah. that to, you know even when you look at like his daytime as like his diaries at that period there's no mention of Pierre Burton oh Pierre and the Pierre it didn't even write it, it was, it's so it just came out of the blue didn't it you know yeah yeah so it, it, that always amazed even now I think all them years and me reading and, and studying as much as I, I could possibly find and suddenly this boom this video appears at the time mm. What Bruce Lee been interviewed, you know, and that's even with you doing all your research and then something yeah, that came out. There was of the nothing at all that was documented, um, really, apart from I mean, now saying that now, saying that now, I've, I've, I've look, <laughs> looking back at some old stuff I had, and you can miss things, you know. Yeah. And I had some old TV, um, TV magazines from Hong Kong. You know, like it had like the no, like TV Times. Yeah, yeah. And one of it had, had Pierre Burton. Uh, showing it Bruce, Bruce Lee yeah, you think oh jeez yeah. 
It's the Pierre Burton Show, the program that comes to you from the major capitals of the world. This edition comes to you from Hong Kong. And Pierre's guest is the man who taught karate, judo, and Chinese boxing to James Garner, Steve McQueen, Lee Marvin, and James Coburn. The newest Mandarin superstar, known in the West for his appearances in Batman, The Green Hornet, Ironside, and Longstreet. His name is Bruce Lee, and he doesn't even speak Mandarin. And here's Pierre. So there's still a treasure trove there, do you reckon? I think so. The thing is, you look at something like Warner Brothers, they've got footage. They've definitely got like the Henry Wong footage and whatever. Yeah, this is all the behind the scenes, yeah, Sense yeah. of the Dragon stuff. That's got to be in the can somewhere. Yeah, yeah. But do you know what? Who's going to pay for it? It's all like yeah. me being a Bruce Lee nutcase and go, oh, yeah, let's go and get it, you know? Yeah. But you got the people who are not Bruce Lee nutcases that are going to go, well, who's going to do it? Are you going to pay the wages? Who's yeah, gonna, you know? yeah. It's all about money. It's all about money. I always think the uh, the TVB stuff's interesting as well, the stuff that he did in yeah, Hong Kong. Yeah. Because now I, you can go on YouTube and the actual episode that he was on, yeah, no. it's all there yeah, no. apart from his stuff. Well, so that, that's weird, isn't it? Doesn't that tell you something? I've had ideas and theories on that. I mean, TVB's owned by Shaw Brothers. Yeah. You know, is there a conflict of interest there? Is I don't know. Who yeah. knows? Has a private collector got that? You know, that's that's kept that aside. Yeah. But as a collector, as a Bruce Lee historian, if you don't mind me to use Susan Atta, <laughs> Talk about me. <laughs> uh, yeah. uh, that must still keep you quite excited, and it must, like, knowing that there's still, there's still so, m- there's, you know, he's been dead over 40, mm. 40 years now. There's yeah. still so, so much, like I was saying earlier to you, a lot of the photos that mm. you publish, you know, you know, and on Instagram, all these photos come up that you've never even seen before. Yeah. There still seems to be so much information out there. Problem is, there's a lot of photographs out there. People lift photographs off off of something, you know, they'll see a rare photograph and then they'll caption it with a completely wrong... I yeah. see one the other day, actually, and it was um, someone had directed me to a... Was it Pinterest or something? Pinterest, yeah, yeah. And I just looked on it and... Because uh, someone, someone had posted a picture of Bruce Lee in his office. Yeah. They said, oh, this is Bruce in his office at Cumberland Road. Well... And I, I don't bother much now in commenting, but I thought, you know what? No, I'm just going to correct on this. I, I put it's not. It's, it's his office at Golden Harvest. And I come back. No, it's not. It says, it says it on Google. I said, well, Google was wrong. Yeah. You know. So I clicked on this, this if, link. They sent a link for. It. I clicked on the link. Yeah. And one of the pictures on there as well had a picture of Bruce, Bruce Lee, his sister Agnes's wedding, from '66, I think it was. Yeah. I think, and off the top of my head. And which I've got the photographs, and <laughs> the caption was Bruce and Linda at their wedding. Now the thing is, you look at that. Some someone's put that on there, okay. And now that becomes a gospel truth, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Oh, you know. Then mm-hmm. someone comes along who's just learning about Bruce. Oh, I've got a picture of Bruce's wedding. Yeah. You know. Then it goes along, and yeah. You know, these these bad information gets sure. history. Get history gets changed. You must notice that um, you know there's still a demand for for this stuff and for Bruce Lee related yeah, material yeah well, look Colton Books bought a book out a while ago Colton they bought out the Bruce Lee Treasures yeah. or Treasures of Bruce Lee it was called. now they decided okay I'm going to bring another one out you know they've gone to the Bruce Lee estate um, the Bruce Lee estate have recommended me for some strange reason <laughs> right they've recommended me sorry and they have got the power to make that a bestseller because they've got distribution mm-hmm. You can have the best product in the world if no one can see it or hear it. Yeah. So my book we spoke about, just the Way of Dragon book, 
that's not a generalised book. You know, it's it's a specialist subject on Bruce Lee it's a specialist yeah. area of his life yeah. same as the next one yeah. this is what I'm interested in and, and putting down something that's going to last long after I'm dead Yeah, something that's going to be there hopefully hopefully that's going to be a good reference for someone Yeah, it's like a fan's book isn't it well, it's a big... you know, it is but I don't like putting it that way it's sure. more a reference you know if I can achieve by the time I'm pushing up the daisies if you like if I can achieve to, to to write several books that tell, you know, bring bring the Bruce Lee's life, yeah, you know, on paper, yeah. you know, and bring out and document and try and do this research to the point where people know about his life, you know, yeah, truthfully, it's like police work, yeah, it's yeah, real yeah. detective work, yeah, I enjoy it actually, yeah, I, it's I do nice, enjoy nice, it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> If Bruce Lee had lived, um, what would... I mean, he'd be in his 70s now, but do you... You must have theories on sort of the direction yeah. that he would have gone into? Yeah, I, I, I have, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah definitely. Um, it's a bit like people talk about Game of Death. Yeah. I don't think he would have done Game of Death. I think... what well, because. He'd filmed several, as we know, that going over all that bit. He'd filmed parts of the movie. Sure. Yeah. Warner Brothers stepped in and said, we need this, we're going to do a movie. Now, this is his big break now onto, yeah. the, onto the, an international film Yeah. for the first time in his life, you know. Yeah. So, Game of Death got put on the shelf and he put in his diary something on the lines of September. It's 73 that by this time. He put September, you know, To Game return to Game of Death. Yeah, yeah. right. Also... He'd planned to do some movies with Shaw Brothers' involvement. Yeah, he'd done a photo shoot with Shaw yeah, Brothers. Yeah, he? yeah. I mean, there's loads of theories on that, but the, I hate to say the truth of it is, but the, the long and short of it is, Warner's has just done some sort of deal with Shaw's to distribute their movies in the US, King Box and so forth, you know. So they were very much interested in keeping Bruce aboard maybe like a co-production with Shores as well yeah. you know there there was talks there was meetings with Shores there was a photo shoot um, there was directors that were, were that were sort of like lined up to, to do the movie yeah. and storylines put in place mm. and this is documented yeah um, the Raymond Chow uh, um, Golden Harvest scenario he, he, I don't think he would have stayed Bruce Lee was independent anyway. Yeah, he would have gone and done what he wanted to do. He yeah. was Bruce Lee, and that's it. He would. But Raymond so, Chow must have—he would have felt slightly betrayed, at least, slight sort of put out that he was then going, you know, jumping into bed with Run Run Shaw, and you know, for the the hard work that Raymond Chow had done, obviously to to get Bruce. Well, Lee you can look at it two different ways, can't you? You can say, did Raymond Chow make Bruce Lee, or did Bruce Lee make Raymond Chow? Yeah. <laughs> that's true. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, I know what I think. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right now, prior to Bruce Lee joining Golden Harvest. And I was told this by a very, very reliable source. Yeah. Okay, who worked at Golden Harvest, who was who was a part big part of it. Sure. Just prior to Bruce Lee joining Golden Harvest, Golden Harvest were going under. Mm. Bruce Lee saved their bacon. Yeah. Yeah. You know. But that's what I was told. Allegedly, yeah, so allegedly. Then, and allegedly he was. Chow may have then been more inclined to be like giving Bruce Lee more oh, listen, there's, 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 and... look, there's there's loads of stories that have floated about 
and I'm, well, you know, like Raymond Chow and Bruce Lee arguing, Raymond not showing Bruce the books, not blah 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 blah, mm. you know, and and but listen, it, it was even in a Hong Kong magazine, you know, mm. in a, about the argument, and Bruce Lee's gone public and said, "No, we're fine," you know. But yeah. listen, things go on with everyone. Sure, that's life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's life. You, know, you, yeah. you can't say, you know, I, I personally, personally, my my. My theory is that he wouldn't have stayed with Golden Heart. I'm not saying he would, Raymond might not come on with him. Mm. Who knows? Who mm. knows? Mm. Who knows? You know. But I think the direction Bruce Lee is the question you asked me. Sure. My theory on this, and I think I'm, I'm pretty much accurate on this. If you look at Clint Eastwood, right now, I'll explain why I say Clint. I've jumped yeah, yeah. to Clint Eastwood yeah, yeah. all of a sudden. Clint Eastwood was in a TV series called Rawhide. Bruce Lee was in a series called The Green Hornet. Yeah. Right. Rawhide finished. Clint Eastwood couldn't get no more work. Mm. There's a documented story of him and I think it's Lee Marvin driving down Sunset Boulevard saying, what are we going to do now? You know, got no, there's no work. No, no work, work's been offered. Sure. Bruce Lee's finished The Green Hornet. Nothing much has come up. You know, he's got the, the little snippets with Ironside but nothing to... Re- you know, he starts now teaching celebrities to, yeah. to and, you know, and looking at his schools and trying to get subscription to his schools you know to, to, this is, you know, money he's got to pay the rent yeah yeah so Clint Eastwood and Bruce Lee very much in line there really mm. both had TV series that didn't well, it was okay but they didn't really take off to that degree yeah. or they didn't get yeah, off yeah. anything else what does Clint Eastwood do he goes to Italy and does the spaghetti westerns yeah right what does Bruce Lee do eventually he goes to Hong Kong sure and makes Kung Fu films Kung Fu films right? yeah what do the spaghetti westerns do? They suddenly become popular. Suddenly now, Clint Eastwood's the best thing since sliced bread in that genre. Yeah. What happens to Bruce Lee? The same thing, right? Mm. What did Clint Eastwood do? He, he he formed his own film company called the Mel Paso Film Company. What did Bruce Lee do? Create his own film company called the Concord oh, Productions. Yeah, of course. So they're pretty much similar yeah, yeah. similarities. Yeah. Bruce Lee unfortunately passed away. Yeah. Clint Eastwood carried on making movies as as, as I believe Bruce Lee would have done. But as Bruce Lee said himself, he probably wouldn't have carried on making martial art movies. He'd have gone more into the director's chair. Now, Clint Eastwood, what's he doing now? He's, he don't really see him starring in hardly any films now. Oh, he's getting old, old now, obviously. Yeah. But he's brought out plenty of films. Same as Mel Gibson's doing now, really. Yeah. Where they're directing films, they're producing films. Mm-hmm. This is the direction Bruce Lee, I believe, will have gone in. Yeah. He'll be more in producing films and directing films as opposed to starring films yeah you know he, in 1969 he wrote that my definite chief aim what he was going to achieve in the next 10, 11, 12 years where he was yeah, yeah. by 1980 I think he wrote I'm going to have I think 10 million dollars in the bank you know sure. blah 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 I'm going to okay. be the biggest star blah 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 you know really he, he achieved that more yeah but, you know and the fact he he died you know he still yeah. achieved that I mean look yeah. at Look at what he has achieved, really. The word superstar really turned me off, and I'll tell you why. Because the word star, man, is an illusion. It's something what the public calls you. You should look upon oneself as an actor, man. I mean, you would be very pleased if somebody say, hey, man, you are a super actor. It is much better than, you know, superstar. Do you think he ever... Because he lived such a short time, he he was popular for such a, um, I mean, like superstardom for such a short time. Do you think he ever enjoyed it? Um, 
I think towards the end of his life, from what, once again, I've been told, and you can only assume and have your own theories, I think there was a lot of pressure on him. Mm. You know, he, he said himself he didn't know who his real friends were at the end. Everyone wanted a bit of him. Everyone wanted to say, yeah, I'm your friend, I'm your friend. Yeah. He had these people wanting to be the, be the yes men, you know, the yes men, yes men, yeah. and he wouldn't suffer that. Yeah. So he started getting suspicious with people. Like, no. And pushing people away, yeah, you know, and a lot of pressure went on him, you know, and, he, and so I think, yeah, I think he had a lot of pressure towards yeah. the end of his life. I think he, he was under a lot of pressure from suddenly from zero to hero in no time at all. Sure, is you know, and and look at it this way, and that's just Asia, Southeast Asia. Suddenly, Enter the Dragons made. Warners didn't think this was going to be a big hit. You know, they sent like their. You know, you know, just, just, just it's a piece of them. It's just send them a small crew, and but they didn't have top production team that they have in some of the top films, you know. Mm-hmm. And it's made more money than probably anything. Hundreds you know, of millions, millions. Yeah, million. and you think to yourself, this was if if Bruce Lee had lived, Bruce Lee never even lived to see the release of End of the Dragon. No, some people no. don't realize. I know Bruce Lee fans. So most people that generalize on Bruce Lee don't even know that, don't realize that. No. He saw a, he saw a cut of it though. Yeah, he see he see a he see a copy of it when he I believe when he went back to the states in May. Yeah, seventy three when he had his check up. Sure. And done some. Wasn't he doing done, overdubs? He was still. Yeah, still doing I, I, I believe he visited like Lello Schifrin and did the war cries for the soundtrack sure. and stuff. And, yeah. and anyway, so he saw a rough copy of it and was very pleased with it. So I, I, I was told, you know, mm. and Robert Lee might have said something about that. Mm. And um, he must have known. That he had a good movie. That movie. That I, was think he, be, I think he that knew. Was be the big one. I think he he had the good feeling, but you can have all the good feelings in the world. You don't know until it actually happens. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, are you going to be? Excited? I think he believed enough in himself to knew he knew that it was going to be. This was the one. Yeah. yeah. And I think Linda Lee said it was really strange sitting there three weeks after he died, watching him on a big screen. Yeah. You know, you think oh. he was booked to go on the Johnny Carson show. Yeah. There were these oh, different. Yeah. I mean, yeah. He, he was going to tour Europe. Mm. You know, he would have been probably on the Eamon Andrews show or something, whatever, whatever it was at the time. Parkinson, yeah. Parkinson. Sure, yeah, if you yeah. imagine Bruce Lee, everyone else would have been on Parkinson. Surely Bruce Lee would have been if he was yeah, in the probably. UK. Would have been, you know, all these missed opportunities. Yeah, really, he's so close to it. You know. Yeah. If you could meet Bruce, if you'd met Bruce Lee, I know. It's, let's uh, <laughs> let's get hypothetical. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, what would you What would you ask him? What would be the thing that you'd you'd want to know um, if I met Bruce Lee I suppose I'd, it, we've all got a million things you'd like to ask him hmm. but I, I think I'd just like to like to become his friend yeah and not really ask him anything other than just been you know and just been in his presence and just yeah. and just been a friend I mean to me that would have been it sounds corny, doesn't it? Really, I don't no, know. No, no, corny, that's, that's, to that's to me, that bit where I wouldn't go, "Oh, Bruce, what about this? What about that?" You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You just want to let, get to know the man. Yeah. You know? Do you think he was an easygoing kind of guy? Uh, I, I always think of him as being quite deep, and I think that from stories I've heard of him, he could be a bit of a show-off as well. If you look at any artist, anyone that's that's. Uh, passionate about something yeah. will be driven mm. they were driven he was a very self-driven person yeah he knew what he wanted he knew what he wasn't going to give up yeah this sometimes comes across I would imagine as being 
um, a bit rude or a bit uh, arrogant or whatever expression you want to use but I think Bruce Lee was a good hearted person I've heard some good stories of, of things he did that yeah. was never really documented yeah um, I was told quickly briefly I was told one by who told oh funny, it was Woon and the family so yeah. he was out for, it was not long before he died either he was in a I think a, no I'll tell you that wasn't it it was Robert Chan who okay. passed away yeah it was in the restaurant it was pouring down rain outside there was someone outside selling food and they dropped dropped their stores fell over and all the food gone, you know Bruce has gone over and given money you yeah. know and, and got his umbrella and they helped him sure. it's a superstar yeah it's like you've been in the middle of the road and Brad Pitt coming up and helping yeah. him up you know it's a super, not that he shouldn't do that anyway no, you're, no, a human, no. you're a human you should do that yeah. but he wasn't full of himself like, oh mm. I can't do that I'm a superstar he wasn't like he was, he was a he, look, he said himself then in the interview that like, he, he hated the word superstar. I've just, I've just mentioned that, but yeah, he didn't take fools lightly. Is that the right way? That's it? correct. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And he does strike he, me. He, did, he didn't suffer bullshit or yeah. bullshitters, and he knew what, what he wanted. Yeah, um, I think his only mistake was he burnt himself out. Mm. You know, and I can end this by saying the old philosophy about the candle that burns the brightest burns out the quickest yeah you know? true yeah, yeah. So, it was a very intense person yeah, yeah. so you're gonna you, you're gonna come across moments where he's, he, was, he had a bad temper like he admitted himself yeah he was listen he's a human being isn't he, mm. he one thing he certainly wasn't he wasn't Superman yeah you know yeah he was a human being someone that used his full potential to the fullest mm. or trained towards that way to keep improving and looking for other ways to improve himself yeah you know he wanted to be the best at what he did and I think he he, he was and I think he still is yeah yeah no one's, to, uh, no one's touched him no one's touched Bruce Lee yeah. since then well I think Bruce Lee is synonymous with martial arts and will always be whenever anyone yeah. says even martial arts and this is and this is nothing to do with what you said earlier about could he be the best fighter and about being the best fighter it's the whole X factor. Yeah. It's what look he's influenced a generation. You know, another member of the documentary Bruce how Bruce Lee changed the world or something, you know. Yeah, sure. You know, it, it's true, it's so many people influenced by that. Mm. I've got students look at this way, I I'm rabbing on again, but I've got students who are probably you know, young kids as well, who who, who train at our gym. Now they don't really understand who Bruce Lee was, but what they're being taught is what the instructors who are teaching them but I taught them instructors mm. from what I've grown up learning through the big influence Bruce Lee gave me yeah so if it wasn't for Bruce Lee if it wasn't for Bruce Lee that gym over there wouldn't it, I wouldn't be in there I wouldn't yeah. be doing what I'm doing there I wouldn't yeah. be talking to you yeah because it's Bruce Lee that's shaped my life um, and that doesn't mean I go around dressed in a game of death tracksuit or anything I, yeah. I hate all that sort of shit so. you know I'm not into all that and that's why when you see these people imitating Bruce Lee when I mean, they're teaching Jeet Kune Do some of them you think are you for real yeah. be yourself don't be Bruce Lee yeah. be yourself yeah. otherwise you're not being what Bruce Lee said just to wrap it up we should say what's the next steps then Steve what are you what are you sort of uh, what are you what are you working on at the moment well we are doing obviously the Bruce Lee Forever magazine mm-hmm. poster magazine yeah. um, me and David Tabman work along the lines together anyway yeah. you know with yeah, what yeah. we do um, Rick Baker is like our uh, our glue that's holding it all together and distributing and everything else you know I've got my Colton project I'm doing anyway which is separate from that yeah um, yeah there's, there's loads of, we, we just keep going really yeah. but 
we want to try and you know get people to sort of support this because quite a big proportion, quite a big percentage of it goes to the Bruce Lee Foundation, yeah. and that's that's important. Best yeah. of luck with everything. Yeah, try our Keep best. Her. Yeah, try our best. You know. Yeah. <laughs> cool. well, thank you. That's, thank you, Steve. Cheers. Thank, Cheers. thank you. Cheers. Thank you. Well, there we go, Bruce Lee fans. I hope you enjoyed that. A lot of stuff to think about off the back of that conversation. It was wonderful to sit and, and uh, talk to Steve and visit his home. So thank you for inviting me and for um, uh, spending time with me on that day. It was uh, it was an incredible day and a real eye-opener as well. So if you want to find out more about Steve and read up on some of his books... Uh, the books you want to check out Bruce Lee Legends of the Dragon that's a two volume book about the making of the way of the dragon go and check that out and also check out his work with David Tadman uh, on the Bruce Lee Forever poster magazines they are available on easternheroes.com and also coming soon Bruce Lee the authorised visual history that's the Carlton book that Steve was talking about there Uh, that's got a forward from Bruce Lee's daughter Shannon Lee we very much look forward to reading that if you're in the Essex area then you can go and check out Steve's uh, school the Essex Kickboxing Academy which teaches kickboxing and Muay Thai and anyone who wants to get into that and start competing Steve is uh, a very well respected uh, coach and trainer so go online and check out the Essex Kickboxing Academy what else is there to say oh those books that uh, Steve mentioned I'll just put links to those on the website kungfumovieguide.com so if you go to episode 16 of the podcast and find the Steve Kerridge episode uh, the links to all of that stuff will be there Uh, that's just about it thank you very much for downloading and listening to this episode of the Kung Fu Movie Guide podcast we will be back in two weeks time as per usual with another wonderful guest from the world of martial arts movies so thank you again for your support remember we're on Twitter Instagram Facebook and remember you can email me the email address is hello at kungfumovieguide.com Thank you very much. I will see you next time on the podcast. Until then, take care. Bye for now. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.